All right. Welcome back, people. We're recording this on the Wednesday. You'll hear this Thursday or the 1st of Feb. The data came out today for the, the consumer price index, uh, the consumer price index. So the, the Australian Bureau of Statistics publishes this data to give us an annual update of inflation compared to the year previous, as well as uh, quarterly data. Um, so the December 2023 quarter data is here compared to, I think, the last quarter, it didn't rise as much, but it's down year on year, I think, is the biggest news, right, Dad? So yeah. on the website, annual CPI inflation has fallen from a peak of 7.8% in December 2022, all the way down to 4.1% in December 2023. And I think if we measure the change from like the December 23 uh, quarter to the September one, it's come down about a percent, something like that. Mm -hmm. Down, yeah. Trending down. The most significant contributors to the December quarter rise in inflation, let's say the things that cause more inflation than others was housing, alcohol and tobacco, insurance and financial services and food and non-alcoholic beverages. So yeah, I just wondered like, obviously now, Anyone listening, you sort of know the drill at this point. Whenever uh, inflation data gets released, every economist and every bank economist under the sun revises their forecasts, and that makes the news cycle for the next week of what they think is going to happen to the economy, and that we just keep you know, doing the same thing. So you sort of know what to expect in the news cycle at this point based on the news, but it seems like inflation is on the downward trend. It's been coming down. Mm -hmm. I guess the only doubt I've I've been reading about from economists who are saying there's still a risk that inflation can spike up. They're talking about how the tax cuts might affect spending and whether yeah. people are going to start spending more money once they get that uh that more uh, more money coming in from those tax cuts. So I wondered yeah. your thoughts, and then yeah, no, it's yeah, it's good that it's trending down. It's um four point one percent. For the you know, December quarter, which is great news. That's good, you know the, the stuff the RBA has been doing. Like the, the RBA cops a bad rap, I reckon. Um, everyone's bagging the RBA out, but for the long a long time, or well, certainly since this new government came in, they're the only ones that have tried to do anything to bring inflation down. Like the other, the government hasn't seemed to do too much. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. There's still there's still risk you know, at four point one percent, which is above the two to three percent target band that the RBA likes to have inflation within. You know, so we talk about you know they want a sort of Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too cold, just right, and the just right is around between two and three percent. So yeah, it's great news. Um, probably knocks on the head any talk of rate rises in yeah you know, February the RBA meeting is next week, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, 6th and 7th, I think, from memory, or the 5th and 6th, one of those two. And, um, yeah, the, the RBA is not meeting monthly anymore. It's going to meet about every six weeks. And Michelle Bullock, the RBA governor, will have a press conference after each one to explain the reasoning of it because you had generally, when rates were going up, you had the RBA putting up rates and then, old mate going to the press club or to a private banker's lunch and talking about um, what happened with rates and not really in some people's view explaining the rationale properly. So, yeah, so yeah, that, that's good news. The big four banks are still all saying rates will drop from September and I think Combank, Combank is saying rates might drop like six times, so 1.5% between September this year and 
mid to end 2025. So that's great news. If if you've got a mortgage and you're making repayments at that higher level, when your when rates do drop, if you can keep your repayments at that higher level, it's just it's like kicking with the wind. It's fantastic if you can. Um, so you know, do it as long as you can. If you can't, well, yeah, you know, there's there's not much you can do. So Leith Van Olsen or Olsen, I can never pronounce his name correctly, uh, had an article about what he says is the genuine one solution to the rental crisis. So I'm going to go through a bit of what he had to say. He just said it last week, our population ticked over 27 million people. Um, it's an increase of 8.1 million people this century. In our last yeah. financial year, Australia added 518,000 net overseas migrants to our population. Um According to our intergenerational report that the government put out in 2002, um, uh-huh. our, our population hit this milestone 30 years faster than was projected in that report. And I've put a little yep. caveat there that I've seen other people from the ABC sort of counterpoint what Leith has said in this article, saying that the, the intergenerational report after 2002, I think in 2004, did project yep. this. And there's been a couple yes. of reports that have projected it. So um, keep yeah. that, take it with a grain of salt. But he says, based on how busy our infrastructure is, including hospitals, schools, et cetera, the nation's yeah. vacancy rate for rentals is running around 1% and it's about the lowest in history. We don't have enough homes for the people coming in. Property owners will get richer. Government and planning has dropped the ball on getting more properties built where the demand exists, both in outer suburbs as well as in higher density so yeah. I guess like before I try I'm I I really don't know how to feel about it anymore because I feel like uh-huh. you you hear you you read I read plenty of articles that talk about how we need to stop population in its tracks because it's going to cause a big you know drastic drop in living standards but uh-huh. we're also hearing that I don't know like I don't know if we still need we still need lots of jobs to be filled and a lot of the people coming into the country aren't skilled tradesmen which is sort of mm. seems to be a what point of emphasis of what we need right now because people yeah. don't it's it's not financial it's it's financially a better choice probably to ship in traded uh skilled tradesmen from other countries than it is to train them up for 3 or 4 years in who are like born here or whatever yeah. and I don't know like or, it, it's or- well, Damo, you do both. You know, you, you train up people. Like we talked in October 2022 about the um, Jobs and Skills Summit that the government hosted, and one of the outcomes from that was people saying we need more immigration, not much about we need to skill up the people we've got here. And they're saying, you know, we've got half a million jobs to fill. Well, we've got half a million people getting unemployment benefits, and some of those people could be tradespeople, they could be anything, you know, if we incentivize them enough and business enough to to sort of stop that. So I think it's a bit of both. I think you need them to come in, but you also need, you know, there's plenty of other jobs, there's plenty of jobs that people who are on unemployment could be doing. You know, people are crying out for more hours, so we're told. So I think I think it's it's not a one, it's not do this and that'll fix the problem. I think you've got to do quite a few different things. Yeah. Yeah, look. But on that housing thing, Damo, like one of the things you sent through, uh, which Propertyology put together, and this sort of hits the nail on the head. Simon Presley said, um, yeah, at the moment, there's 220,000 properties for sale 
the in the last eight years, the population expanded by three million people in the last eight years. Yet properties available for rent is down 58%, and properties available for sale is down 36%. So because there, there's so many different factors at play here, you know, we've got there's strong demand for property. You know, first home buyer numbers are up heaps at the moment because you know a lot of the first home buyers we're going to come through they're just they're just sick and tired of paying paying rents that just keep going up and up and up so you know they're coming into the market because home the cost of building new place has gone up it's sort of like we've talked before about when when new car prices go up used car prices go up and it's the same thing with property when when it costs more to build a new property the cost of an existing property goes up because they're they're related to each other. Because the, if you're not going to buy a new property, you're going to buy an existing one. So there's just so much to it. And if you get a chance, there was a chap on the um, National Press Club address today, Doctor Richard something. I can't remember his name. If you get a chance to listen to him, I don't think I've ever heard more common sense out of anyone in half an hour in all my life. And he's just calling out all the vested interests, like. When you have jo- you have jobs and skills summit, and you have like the building industry there and the real estate industry there, they're just they're just so um, biased to what's going to what's going to be the best for them, rather than what's best for society in the country. So, and that's the problem we've got. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's a just a, a clusterfuck at the moment. Housing supply, like, and it has been for ages. And yeah, it takes and age to get a property you know, approval through a local council and you know some of it's not their fault some of it is because of the like all the hoops people have to jump through heritage environment all this sort of stuff when this stuff should be easier than it is but um anyway there you go yeah the, the massive we've got massive demand not enough supply and that's you know with as we discovered four years ago um when the pandemic hit when everyone was running around trying to get toilet paper and the price was skyrocketing it's all supply and demand i thought this was an interesting one this is data from 2021 but it's pretty similar when i could check it out on abs for 2024 so kpmg research says that talking of super balances and the difference. So the median super balance for men 60 to 64 years old is 204 grand, whereas women in the same age group is 146 grand. It's a 28% gap upon retirement. For for pre-retirement years of 55 to 59, that gap is 33%. So it's a little higher, a little earlier in, in the age bracket. In the, uh-huh. I guess what people are saying is the peak earning potential years of 45 to 49, the gap is 35%. KPMG has sort of noted the leading, there's numerous factors for the gap in super balances upon retirement. Um, there's yeah. numerous reasons and factors based on, you know, jobs people choose and all that stuff. But one of them yeah. is uh, the leading factor that sort of trumps everything else is time out of the workforce to being the primary yeah. carer of young children. Yes, They had a few suggestions. I think they had four suggestions on how to solve for these issues. And I just thought it's a bit of interesting trivia for people. And like, yeah. it's sort of part of the reason why I'm trying to encourage any of my friends that are women to to think about having some sort of investment of their own regardless of yeah. being in a in in a relationship or not right because i just think yeah. if that's a gap that's going to happen because of if you choose to to leave the workforce for, to have kids um 
often you're not going to yeah. have any super contributions going through. Um, but yeah, they had a couple of ways to solve for it, including a government contribution during the paid parental leave part of of the time off that a worker takes. But some of them, some of the ways that I I, I just have a feeling that the uh, people would want to would say like, look, why should a business pay for someone's super contributions while they're not working for them anymore? But again, it's yeah. the thing of like, what's better? What's better for society to sort of have maybe more financially safe people uh, isn't always what suits businesses or governments, I guess. So I don't know. But yeah, I just want to think. Yeah, I think you know, if you had a government contribution during paid parental leave, that would be that would be good. Yeah, they do get paid parent. There is paid parental leave available. Um, so yeah, having super added on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. One, I think that's a great idea because you've got, um, you know, you do have that thing where, um, like the gen- the gender pay gap and the gender super gap is there, and um, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last one from me. So, Domain, which is one of these property websites online, chatted about um, it's late, it's it's latest house price. Re- house price report jesus christ their latest house price report for the december quarter um it's it's basically saying the national market has recovered from the downturn of property prices in 2022 and unit prices nationally closed out at a record high at the end of last year in terms of the best house price growth across the capital cities adelaide was up 12.7 percent from the downturn in 2022 Perth rose 11.9%. Sydney was up 10.6%. Since 2022, Canberra's down 4%. Hobart's down 2%. And Darwin's down 1.2%. And that's just based on median house price growth uh, values, not the average. It's the middle figure. For record high median prices, like Sydney hit 1.595 median. um, Brisbane hit 888K. Adelaide hit 875K. Perth hit 742k so um prices are still going upwards despite all the negative factors um despite yeah. you know it's more expensive to borrow money now so people's borrowing costs have have gone up which means their borrowing capacity the amount they can borrow to buy a house has dropped there's a big blowout in how expensive it is to build properties but it doesn't matter because there's an undersupply of housing, a growing population and a tight rental market so demand is just trumping all of the 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 facts, I guess. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great for me. Do you know what I mean? Like I own a house in Dubbo. It's great for me, but I'm not sure how great it is for everybody else that isn't a homeowner, which is more than a third of the country. So um, it's yeah. a bit, and, it's, yeah, it just that, seems a bit yeah, fucked. That, yeah. Now that, that's the thing, like, you know, we've got, um, yeah, you couldn't mismanage housing supply more if you tried in this country like we've got we've got three levels of government like if you want to see um housing supply and how it's managed type into google the monty python 100 meter olympic final um for people with no sense of direction and that's that's what's happening you've got you've got eight people on the starting block the gun goes off and everyone goes in a different direction like you've got the federal government having massive immigration You've got the state governments responsible for housing supply and then they outsource that to local government who takes an age to to um, to approve anything. Yeah. Now, you do have the state governments coming in off the top rope with a steel chair at the moment, 
you know, saying that we're going to allow uh, more medium density. If you're within, say, a kilometre or so of a station, you can do, you know, you've got a lot more leeway. Um, you know, we, we need more medium density. We need townhouses, uh, low-level units for people over 50 to downsize to to free up existing properties. Yeah, a lot of them don't want to live in apartments. Ones with stairs don't work because it's hard to get a walker up the stairs. So, um, yeah, no, it's just a cluster. And, um, yeah, anyway. Super positive one for you guys. Yeah. There's a couple you want to talk about, right? In more positive news, the CEO of one of the big four banks is sad that Australians might not be able to buy houses. Yeah, Damo, before that one, I just want to talk about the stage three tax cut. So yeah. the federal government has decided to tinker with the stage three tax cuts. Um, they were targeted more towards the top end of town. And a lot of, a lot of people are you know, going off like pork chop, but people on bigger incomes pay more tax. So when there's a tax cut, they normally get more because they pay more in the first place. You know, we've got we've got some we've got a client who pays nearly two hundred grand a year in tax. Now people go, well, he can afford it, and he probably can, but it's still a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very smart politics from the federal government. Um, there is a calculator if you type in, I think, stage three tax cuts calculator. Um, there's a simple calculator that Treasury have put out where you put in how much income you get and it'll tell you how much extra you'll have in your back pocket come you know, 1 July when these are meant to take place. Now, the the Fed, the opposition are going, going off like a, um, they're going off like anyone's business saying that, you know, it's a broken promise, you know, which it is, but as if, you know, it, if this was the first time politicians broke a promise, I'd be surprised. So the Greens are saying they're not going to support it because they think it should go further. Yeah, look, it'll it'll the changes will get through, I think, and the only issue is what impact will that have? Or two of the issues, what impact will it have on inflation? My view is it will be inflationary because tax cuts, well, when people on lower incomes get money, they normally spend it. When people on higher incomes get it, sometimes they don't because... A lot of the time they don't need to spend it, so they save it or, you know, they put it in investments or that sort of stuff. And there was a great thing from the um, the shovel, which is a sort of piss-take newsletter where they were saying that there was a couple from either Two Rack or Double Bay or something in, in Sydney who were heavily impacted by the stage three tax cuts because they would have to cancel their second, second holiday to Whistler. So um, there's a lot of stuff going around. But, look, it probably will have an inflationary impact. So I think any move by the RBA to drop rates will not happen until after those tax cuts come into effect. So I think it's going to be rates on hold for a while unless there's a, a recession, which is still, who knows? We've been saying that technically we are in recession because the the spend per person is dropping and the GDP per person is dropping. Where it's only been boosted because there's more people here because we've had massive immigration. In regard to the impact on property, it's likely, I feel, to maybe push property prices up because people's borrowing capacity will go up. So when the new tax rates are reflected in the borrowing capacity calculators of the banks, 
someone who could borrow, say, 500 might be able to borrow 520 or 530, and I'm just saying those numbers. I'm just guessing. It may not be that much. It may be more. Um, but if people have got an extra 30 or 40 a week to service a loan and can get more money from a bank because of that, they'll have a bigger budget. If more people have got a bigger budget, as we've seen during the pandemic when rates went down to under 2% and people had huge borrowing capacities, um, especially owner-occupiers, they just spend it because it's an emotional purchase. So, um, And some investors as well, but less, less sort of investors. So, yeah, look, we'll just have to see how that plays out. I think you can... Um, take your stage three tax cuts to the bank. I don't think the opposition, I think in the end the opposition will go, do we vote with Labor or do we not vote with Labor and thus support the Greens? So I think it's a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, yeah, you mentioned um, the CEO of NAB, you know, concerned about, um, you know, building crisis and that's great. I wonder if he was playing his violin at the time. But, um, yeah, who knows? Yeah, it's saying NAB are going to lend around an extra $6 billion for affordable and specialist housing by the end of this decade. So, you know, that's not a bad thing, I suppose. But um, just a couple, you mentioned, Damo, about housing prices. Yeah, the domain report is that any losses from the 2022 downturn um, have now been made back in most markets. So, yeah, Canberra, Hobart, Darwin dropped a little bit, but, yeah, who, who, you know, as we say, property, when you're, when you're buying a property, you've got to think long-term. If you're if you're thinking short-term, I want to buy, flip and sell, you're probably better off buying shares or crypto or some, you know, some asset that has a, doesn't have as many costs associated with buying and selling. Because, like, if you're, if you're buying a property, doing a reno and then selling, there's a lot of costs in buying because you've got to pay, you know, you've got to pay stamp duty sometimes. Depends on what you're buying for. Um, but when you sell the property, you've got it, you know, you've got agents' costs and all that sort of stuff. So that's a thing just to look out for. Um, the only other one, yeah, I, I mentioned before, Dama, about the um, ComBank. They're, they're predicting big interest rate cuts. They say the cash rate will be lower by 0.75 by the end of the year and could yeah could hit 3.6%, which would be fantastic. And that'll just, again, boost borrowing capacities, um, people's budgets and probably prices again, especially if the supply side is not playing ball due to um, the stuff we've managed, we've mentioned before. But, yeah, it's probably going to be a while before we do get into the um, RBA's 2 to 3% range. So, yeah, we'll just... Yeah, a bit of a watching thing. But, um, yeah, what you've got to do is control what you can control. So, yeah, if you can't, if you want to buy a property at the moment and can't afford it, yeah, it's good to have a look at what things you can do to change that now and into the future. We're happy to have a chat about that. Um, and if it is that you're thinking, look, I'm I'm living in, in a city and I want to stay here for a while and I don't want to move and I'll never be able to afford it to buy here well you know talk to you we've mentioned before about talking to your landlord or your a the managing agent about getting a longer term lease locked in some so, um, so you know you you can sort of limit the price rises that are coming through rents um so um yeah, it's, you know, there's plenty you can do yeah you can if you don't have a deposit you can you might be able to access equity in your parents or richer siblings or in some cases, auntie and uncle's properties, 
Um, yeah, the, and you can do that for your first investment or owner occupied property. So um, yeah, it's pl- plenty plenty of options around. Just reach out if you need need to chat about it. Easy, easy. Well, that's it, people. Hope you're having a good week. Last week of January, first week of February. Go to Money Saver day, Home Loans. Big day tomorrow. Yep, yep. It's my 27th birthday as you guys are listening to this. Very cool. So go to moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. Check us out there if you want to get in touch, chat about home loans and such. Uh, We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Have a good one.